Do you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. After a pre-season that saw us smash testing records and promised to see us spend more time in the midfield and at the sponsor's pub at the Yorkshire Hotel, the boys are back for another season of hot takes and even hotter tips. That's right, ready and ready to guide you through back to the future through an era of lucky number 666 footy are the lads from What Are The Odds. I'm Gordo and with me to make sense of the 2019 AFL pre-season is the punter's prophet and the ammo's super coach himself. The barrel. Baz, how's the pre-season been treating you? Well, the pump up there was uh, a bit embarrassing, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, it's weird pre-season because we're not playing group finals. No. So it's, it feels a bit different. Have a couple weekends off where I don't have to coach footy or coach cricket. But it's actually been pretty good. Are you in good form? Are you picking winners? Are you seeing patterns? Are you inside the matrix yet? Ready for the pre-season of footy? Uh, I did have a decent day Saturday. Yeah. Or Saturday, I should say. Nice. Uh, proper English this year. It's going to be... Oh, next level's up. We're going into the next level. This levels. is our third year. We're going from above average into the elite rankings here in pronunciation. This is our third year, and I reckon I've got Billy Brownless on toast for that sort of stuff. So Good. Anyway, yeah, I'm in good form. So our first segment, new segment for the year, slight tweak on an old favourite. It's called Get Barrel on the Blower. Now, the, now the runners... No longer, pretty much no longer exist in AFL footy. So no more copping an earful on the telephone and running around for 15Ks. Shout outs to uh, Scott Pembury for that tweet. But uh, there are always things that we need to get Barrel on the phone or on the mic to talk about in footy, footy world, footy chat, or just weird sports stuff that kind of piques my interest. And uh, the first one we'll go with was a long time ago. It feels like ages ago. But uh, AFLX, it came, it went, and it's disappeared into the... Uh, the enigma of weird things we do in pre-seasons of footy. Will we ever see it ever again? And did you like it even one iota? Did not care. Did not take any interest. Couldn't tell you the team names. Couldn't tell you the captains. Couldn't tell you who ran out. The only, the only thing that I remember from AFLX was all the players pulling out the week off due to slight hamstring stains, mm. you know, or something that was imaginary. Niggles. Yes. Yes. And I don't want to ever see it again. I don't want to hear about it again. It was a waste of time. It took away from AFLW, especially when they don't have primetime games. And AFLW gets pushed to the side. AFLX just took the glam rocket again. I agree with that. And I went there and covered it for work. And it was a bit of a strange one where it felt a lot more like, like a three-year-old's birthday party than it did like competitive sport. But I had a thought that would be interesting. People on Twitter had the, let's just let's just have AFLW, let's get rid of pre-season all together. And that's... Fair enough. I'm totally on board with that. The other more uh, left-field approach was let's turn it into like the old Foxtel Cup. So we recently in the cricket world, we had the Premier Comp uh, National T20 Comp. happened over two days, like yep. a lightning premiership. So do the same thing with all of the ammos or free no. leagues or whatever no. and have like a national no. AFL. Might as well just have AFL 9s. Yeah? Yeah, just get that playing. Yeah. Because it's pretty much what it was. And I reckon AFL Nines is probably a bit more entertaining. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, scrap it. He's scrap on the blower. Message to runner. Scrap the AFLX. All right. You said it's a bit of a weird one. We've obviously had a bit of an extra time. No cricket funnels. We're sitting around waiting for the season to start. What's the hype been like for this preseason? Is it under a hype? It feels a little bit undone, in my opinion. 
not to lead the witness. It's probably under, it hasn't been pumped up as much, the JLT Cup, but from a personal perspective, watching the games, I've had a lot of interest just because of the rule changes. Yeah. Just to see what AFL clubs are also doing for, uh, in Baffa where some of the rules have been brought in. So just see what they're doing and how they're going about it, whether we could uh, copy or uh, adjust what they're doing to suit us kind of thing as well. And I think the AFL is breathing to the side of least that uh, their pre-season is being relatively uh, drama-free in comparison to the uh, uh, ugly cousin up north. NRL. had an absolute shocker of oh, an off-season. So. What was it? I, they uh, wanted to bring in a wild card in NRL. Yeah. That was just more to get the media off their back and then I think it lasted like 12 hours before another player just stuffed up again. Yeah, yeah. they, re- they released the uh, a, a different funnels format Two years ahead of schedule, saying like they're going to bring us in in two years' time, yeah, yeah. just so that you know the eighteenth person who's up against the courts doesn't. And have even, to, uh, even Cam Smith and Gallon got in a bit of a war of words again to try and take the spotlight yeah. off. But they're about twenty years behind every other sport, I reckon. NRL with professionalism and just being a bit smarter. Mm. Hopefully, they start to learn. And you mentioned the new rules. Everyone's gone a little bit apocalypse. Felt like one week at a time we went through each of the rules. So six 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 was the first. Everyone was all about it, except for maybe Kingy. He said that didn't see enough uh, points being scored. We had to change the kickouts, which pretty much has done nothing to the casual viewer. And has shown a little bit of quirky kind of formations for the more insightful wannabe coach or tipster. Uh, and obviously this week's major hot topic is the double up on 50-meter penalties. What are your thoughts on those three? We'll go with 666 first. 666 will be great, I think, uh, especially for Ruckman. This... Ruckman is slowly coming back into vogue, and this rule will help Ruckman be... If, if there was ever a year that a, Bra- a Brownlow medals would be a Ruckman, or if Ruckman were ever going to win a Brownlow with this rule, they should start winning Brownlows because they can really influence the games mm. from centre bounces. Especially because now they can play pretty much as like a seventh mid. And they, can, they, can, they can take the ball in from yeah, the back and have the tap. Yeah. So if, you, yeah, if you're tall and strong and fast, aka Brody Grundy... Suddenly, you can just be like, "Oh, cool, that's mine." Off we go. Yeah, and that, you'll see a lot of more ruckman take, especially. Uh, we'll talk about this last night, especially in four fifty. Hmm. You'll see a lot more you know, ruckman try and take it, kick for goal, or kick it to the hot spot, or there'll be more you know, game plans and set plays as well, which is it'll be more exciting. You know, it'll bring in high scoring, and it'll allow mids and just in general rucks just dominate and show their skill. And if Nick Nutt can get fit, he'll be very exciting to watch. You know, you got Gorney and. Grundy, there's plenty of ruckmen out there at the moment that are going pretty well, so I'm looking forward to that. The hands in the back rule, thank God, that came back in. But the problem with all these rules is, well, not really 666, and the, but the, the hands in the back and the double up 50 minute pens, it's, they're just more grey area rules, so mm. it's just going to be open to interpretation of each individual umpire, which means fans like on the weekend will get frustrated. So the kickouts, I'm more excited to see what happened round one, two, three. Uh, so in the JLT Cup games, you saw a lot of defences from kick-ins sit a bit deeper, like give the first 20 to 30 metres. But teams were really taking the kick, just trying to kick it long down the wing, have a stoppage, whatever. Uh, there was a few teams that started to hit the 45, hit the short kick and then run and go and try and beat that zone, go over the back. But I reckon there'll be a few more funky things happening once season starts. Uh, one question on the 666 of mine is that is there a way that this can be gamed a little bit? Because obviously, if there's a free kick at the centre bounds, then that reset position keeps has to be maintained before the before the free kick can be taken. Yep. So, 
if you're going to lose the con, like if it feels for mine like you're going to lose the contest or you feel like you're out of position or whatever in that initial phase of play, you give away the free kick, then you can reset your defense, which seems a bit counterintuitive to the why the rule was enacted so that you could have more one-on-one contests at the end of the field. Yeah, but they're still going to be in their starting positions, don't they? When I have to- yeah, but like there's an instance in the last sort of JLT games on the weekend where it was like a 50 second period where the umpires were all kind of like shepherding the players back into their zones. Yes. And so then it's kind of like that kind of defeats the whole point of having this same position in the first place is to get free-flowing footy out of the centre into the into the 50s where they want it to be maintained. Yeah. The other one is, so I know Buckley did it a couple of times, is he'd start my check on like literally the half-back flank, but he's still on the wing position because they're allowed to start anywhere mm. on that wing position. And then he'd just roll, like, run straight away through the ball's run up. He'd run straight back as the spare. Yeah. And you'll probably see a few more. Uh, coaches doing that sort of stuff, especially when they're trying to defend or you know they've got to they're getting scored against. They want to try and stem the flow. You'll see, I reckon, two wingers starting on the half back flank and just run back, mm. which means a four will have to run up to the wing and that stuff. It'll have a flow on effect, but yeah. And it's still, I suppose, the main thing it keeps you know having eight people at the stoppage, so yeah, to start off with, and that's that's pretty fine. And then we didn't see too many effects where you know it was impossible for a team that's poor at certain clearances to. Not kick goal for a quarter. Time. It also opens up that space in yeah. front in the, in the uh, center square where if they do get a clean tap, they can run mm. you know five ten meters, have a breakaway, and kick it deep in their forward line. And that means the people that we love to go and pay to watch footy is you know your fives, your Dangerfields, your Martins, those blokes, and that gives them a bit more space where they won't have they can't have four blokes hanging off them straight away before they get them tackled and whatever. So if that's apparently what we want to go watch, then we're going to probably get a lot of it this season. <laughs> Talking about this season, our second segment, our big preview palooza, our over-unders, season wins predictions, who's winning, who's not, and why. We'll go top to bottom in our political order, and first off the rank is Adelaide. 2018 was probably a wasted season for a club that should have been preparing for another tilt at the flag, but instead they missed funnels altogether, seemingly distracted more by their mental prep than their physical. They finished 12th with 12 wins, 10 losses, and a pretty average percentage of 104.1. They've had some pretty, uh, you know, there or thereabouts in. So the months of, of note are uh, Tyson Stengel. Uh, he comes in probably for them as an understudy for Eddie Betts. And from the draft, they picked up Chase Jones and Ned McHenry. Uh, and they're out. Their biggest one is probably Mitch McGovern. Straight off the bat, they're Baz. Do you think he's a big loss? No. Especially not when, if you had, think they're big four up front, maybe fit and firing, then he was injured a lot lot and he's on the fringe of that four big key position players anyway, so not that bad. In terms of their list, uh, they have the third oldest list and the third most experienced. Their average age is 24 and a half and their um, games played on average is 71 per player. So if they're not going to get it right soon, they're about to miss that uh, premiership window, premiership door, whatever you want to call it. So questions for Adelaide. That forward line contains Walker, Lynch, Betts, and Jenkins. But last year they only managed 26 for Walker, 16 goals for Lynch, Betts 29, and Jenkins 46. Could we see those guys each kick 40 this year, or is they, do they need to reset up front? I think they need to change it forward a bit. I think that Fogarty will help. I think he's the key. I reckon they should be winning, you know, probably they'll be matching last year, 12 wins. Yep. But over 13. And a half is very unlikely for me, and I reckon a lot of t- a lot of people have got them to be 
finishing the top four, win the flag, finish top, you know, Kane Corns and that had them up there. But I, I still don't don't rate their midfield enough. They're you know, very one dimensional. Well, you look at that. So they they're going to rely on the two Crouch brothers and Sloan to kind of feed it out to your Gibbs and Seedsman. And last year, Gibbs had to cover the cover the injury loss of most of their ball getters there. Well, they get and they kind of got, yeah, and they kind of got kind of got robbed there. Do they have enough depth to keep their runners running and their ballers on the ball? Or Smith's a big in. I mean, he played the last two games no. last year after his knee. He's a massive in this year. Uh, Stingle, I reckon, will add a bit to their four line. They miss that. I've said this a fair bit. They missed Charlie Cameron a mm. lot last year, and, and Stingle has that pace and. Which they really miss around the midfield as well. They lack a bit of speed. They got a lot of inside ball winners on a lot on the outside, and yeah, the full line also needs a bit of work. And obviously down back as well, they weren't that solid down there last year. So I, I really think that they're going to struggle to win over thirteen and a half games. So yeah. I'll be going under thirteen and a half, and they're going to be a team that's between six and twelve this year. Yep, I can see them winning, you know, say ten to twelve games, but I don't think they'll win much more. They've got a favourable draw, yes, but. I still don't, not sold on Adelaide. I was pretty confident in the start of last year and they let me down a bit, so I'm probably... Still a bit you, hesitant you, to get you back know, on the bus. You yeah. know me, I'm, I'm either on or off, and yeah. uh, at the moment I'm off. Last question before we move on. 666 is going to affect a lot of teams. Does this help or hinder Sam Jacobs, considering that Adelaide Crows lined up uh, with the 666 formation last year only 5% of the time? Yeah, they generally start one or two behind the, yeah. the, on yeah. the other side running through, so... I reckon it'll affect him. I don't think Sam Jacobs is as, uh, as good as he once was. He's obviously aging a bit. Um, injuries as well have slowed him down a bit. He doesn't give a lot around the ground. He's a decent tap ruckman, but I think a few others have gone way past him. All right, as we said, uh, take the unders there. I think for both of us at 13 and a half, that's paying $1.90. And we've got them in that 6 to 12 on the fringes of the finals. Talking of teams that could be a little bit overhyped, this one could be the next one, Brisbane. Last year, stuck in that gaping chasm between the top 12 teams and the bottom six. But is this the year that the Lions burst into finals contention? They finished 15th last year, five wins, 17 losses, and a pretty paltry percentage of 89.1. couple of handy ins. Marcus Adams from the Bulldogs, Lincoln McCartney from the Cats, Lockie Neal from the Dockers is a massive in, and Jared Lyons, who got delisted from the Suns to get picked up by the Lions, and uh, he'll slot right into their best 22. They do leave Dan Beams to Collingwood and Sam Mays to Port Adelaide. Uh, would you consider Beams a pretty big loss, or is there enough depth in the mid for there to cover? I reckon definitely enough depth, and they've got Lyons and Neal in, which is a bit more speed around the stoppages. They're both very good around that's at there, getting a lot of the footy and using it well. They're both big possession getters as well, which you know, Beams was. Whether they kick enough goals... Beams, you know, used to go forward kick goals. That's probably a bit of a worry from the midfield, but I think they've got enough to cover that depth. Marcus Adams, if he can stay fit, is a massive in for them down back. Uh, obviously, to help out Hodge, but and have some senior guys down there, but I know he hasn't played many games, but he's an older guy. He's at 25, 26. Yep. He's played it. He's come from, you know, uh, VFL sort of style footy to playing AFL, and we saw how good he was that first year. Doggies for his feet started playing up. Lincoln McCarthy can be a good in as well. I really think if if they can get their players fit enough for the year, especially some of the young players with Berry and um, Witherden, Andrews, those sorts of guys, yeah. they're pretty exciting and they've got an easy enough draw where they you know they play. Well, the third easiest, in fact. So they play the Hawks twice, Roos twice, 
Port twice, Dogs twice, and Suns twice, obviously, with the Q Clash. Yeah. Uh, and they've still got a huge upside on their list as well. Average age of 23 is the second youngest in the comp, and they have the third fewest games per player at 55.4. Is this the year where some of those guys take the next step, though? Do we expect an Eric Hipwood and Harris Andrews to become elite this year? Are they going to break into AA contention and be those guys either in the field that they need? Now that they have a pretty decent and deep midfield, I think Lockie Neal has that potential. Yeah, because he is a, he is a jet. Well, you say he's already there. Lockie Neal's probably yeah. if he plays a full season's in AA contention. Yeah, because he, he legitimately is a gun. Yeah. Uh, also, oh, Steph Martin is one that you look at and go underrated as a ruckman. Yeah. Uh, I really like I really like with it down back with his foot use. Um, Barry, obviously, we've spoken about before. Cam Rayner, he needs to probably go up a another gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had a pretty good first year, but I think he's got that. He's probably ready now to go. It's, a lot of these cl- t- uh, players, when they have their second year, drop off a bit, but I reckon he'll he'll have a really good year. Uh, the other one is uh, Charlie Cameron. So he played like ten or eleven games last year. If he can get a full season in, he's he's a fifty goals type of bloke. And he does some magic stuff and runs really hard, breaks the lines, tackles, does all that sort of stuff. He's not a poor man, Cyril, but he's a, a very, very good forward. Yeah. Yeah. He's on, on par with like Eddie Betts in his prime and you know, Cyril on his prime. I reckon Charlie Cameron's one of the most underrated Indigenous footballers going around. So There you go. And in terms of the 666 effect, it will basically have no effect on them at all because that's, they're the team in the competition that used uh, that formation the most last year, 67.9% of the time. So they're, they're a team that wants to play aggressive footy. They're a team that wants to get isolation. They're a team that wants to run and gun through the mid, through the guts. Can they break? Their over-under this year is going to be 8.5. Can they break that? And yep. can they sneak into the finals? Two, two battles. They won't, they won't make finals. They'll probably win uh, 19 games. Yeah. When you look at the, the 10 games they've got against those five teams that they double up, yeah. you'd back in the means six or seven of those. So if they can pinch another one or two somewhere, I'm happy with the take them overs mm-hmm. at, the, at eight and a half games. Yep, that's paying a dollar seventy-five, And if they do break that, they are sitting in that 8 to 12 bracket. If things go right, the whole list stays healthy, then, uh, yeah, they might just jag a funnel's berth and... Uh, Prove why getting all those uh, Hawthorne blokes into that system was uh, worthwhile in the end. Yes, and the AFL's done very well in recruiting more and paying for them more as well. <laughs> now, a team that's been in the deep dark ages for a very long time, uh, Carlton, down there at Princess Park, having won seven games in a season just once in the last four years, and after plummeting from six wins in 2017 to just two in 2018, the worst in their club history arguably the worst in AFL history, and even worse than the post Wada top-up bombers, uh, which had to play like a whole team of VFL players. That whole question last year, like, would Carlton lose to a VFL side? That thought experiment says, yes, they would have. They would have lost to that Essendon side who was basically playing a VFL team. Ridiculous. Surely the other way is up for the Blues this year. They did finish 18th, two wins, 20 losses, and a percentage of 59.3% which is probably more appropriate in, like, a VAFA Division 4 than is in the AFL. They have some ins. Mitch McGovern from Adelaide, which we just discussed, may not be as big a hype in as we thought, but one who is massively hyped is Sam Walsh, the number one draft pick. is just an absolute lock to play in round one 
and uh, probably win the Rising Star as well. They delisted another 10 people this off-season, Baz. Question for the super coach: is that too much turnover? Or is it just, is it, if it's dead weight, it's dead weight, get rid of it? Dead weight, let's get rid of it. Culture, I think they're, from what we've seen in the first two JLT games, I'll be, I'm pretty happy with what I saw from Carlton. I know it's JLT form, but a few of their blokes have taken a big step. SPS has been really good in the JLT so far. He's been a bit more consistent because he tends to come in the games for five minutes and drop out for 20. Um, Patrick Cripps is amazing, gun player. Sam Walsh is going to be really, really good for him this year. Just back him in and win the rising star unless he gets injured. Mark Murphy's form has been pretty good the first two games. Um, you know, Kate Simpson's gun. Obviously, Doherty's out, which is, you know, again, which is pretty sad for him, but he'll be back. Charlie Kerno, it's, it's going to be their four line for me that's a worry because uh, Kerno, McKay, uh, even McGovern. Again, they're going to dominate games. Don't get me wrong. They're going to kick goals and dominate games. It's whether their defence can hold up and their midfield can keep going. But they're going to go missing in games as well. And we saw that a bit against Collingwood on the weekend for a half, three quarters. I know it's only a JLT game again, but they didn't really show a lot. They went, you know, Collingwood did the number on them. It wasn't until late in the game they started to get a bit more up from them up front. But they got they got some you know really good players. Michael Gibbons again, his first game against Essendon is really really good. He shows he can probably play AFL footy coming from the VFL. For me, the big concern would be their ruck. They got Andrew Phillips, who no offense, he's probably B grade at best. Yeah. Uh, so their ruck and midfield are pretty young. They're going to rely heavily on Murphy and Cripps in the inside and and getting that footy out there. Second year players like Paddy Dow, SPS, those sorts of blokes are going to have to take a massive leap forward. I still think that. They're going to struggle to win games of footy this year, but they're probably going to be better than they were last year. Well, it's not too hard, but they're going to be better. I still think they're going to struggle to kick scores. I still think they're going to struggle to defend, but I reckon they're going to be a bit better than last year still because those players have more experience than they're I just Yeah, and I'm so you're trying to be yeah, as positive as I can without... Like, I know... Because it'd be too easy to come here and just crush the Blues. There are, there is huge upside, and they are extremely young so they have pretty much the same profile as the as the Brisbane Lions. So, twenty three and a half is their average age. Seventy three and a third is their average game, which is uh, third and second fewest and youngest. Um, unfortunately, though, their fixture isn't that easy. No, and you look at because they obviously they've got to play the block past the game. So yeah, so Tigers yeah. twice, Swans twice, Bulldogs twice, and their only easy ones are Saints and Suns. Yeah. And so Saints and Suns are 50-50s, and the rest are like you expect them to lose. Yeah, I think Saints, they're terrible. We'll go through them soon. But Suns, I don't reckon they'll be as bad as what people think. They'll probably do a bit of a carton. And we've seen them have a carton the last few years. Start as strong as possible, then they drop away because of the young kids and they get tired and injured and stuff like that. Remember last year as well, Carlton did all right in a JLT Cup, came out and kicked the first five goals against Richmond, and they were putrid for the rest of the year. So I know a lot of Carlton fans get up and about, and it's exciting times. Carlton, I actually feel for them. It sounds weird being a Collingwood sport, I know, but I want them to get good. I want them to be good, but not this year. I still don't think they'll crack that seven-game mark. Yeah. So the over/under for them is six and a half. I'll be taking the unders at a dollar eighty. I have them stuck in that fifteen to eighteen bracket, bottom three. What's a pass mark for Bolton? Because he's on the year-to-year contract, obviously. And last year they were like unacceptably bad. They were terrible. If, the, if he, they have to win five games, I reckon. 
four or five games. They just need to be competitive. Yeah. If they're competitive week in, week out, I reckon he'll get through because he's got the, the list he's got. But if they start, if they copy what they did last year and have a percentage lower than 60, 65, and, getting, and can't score more than 60 points a week, then uh, Bolts might get the old flickeroo. Yeah. And fair enough too because they're a club that's usually axe coaches way quicker than what they've done with him. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And even when he hasn't had the security to back himself in. But it be very interesting to see how he goes. I don't think he's the uh, one in the shotgun yet anyway. He won't be the first to go, I don't think. But uh, we'll get to him in a bit. All right, Collingwood. No one suspected them to be going to the big dance in September. And I don't think their fans are very appreciative after they were almost just a kick away from bringing home a sneaky Bulldogs-esque stolen flag. (sighs) But do we expect to see them back at the big dance again this year? On the ladder, they finished third with 15 wins, seven losses, and a very competitive 120.4 percentage. They obviously ended up on his up. Uh, In terms of the ins and outs, they bring back Dane Beams. What are the expectations around Dane Beams? One of the favourite sons now, apparently, of Collingwood. Former Rat Pack member, or fringe member of the Rat Pack. Now, apparently, the Golden Boy. He's never been a Golden Boy. Oh, and when he came back, it was like, oh, welcome back, Beamsy. You're amazing. We well, always amazing. loved you. We did, yeah. we did though. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't always... Collingwood fans didn't understand what was going on with Dirty D left. It's fair enough. But if you actually knew what was going on, then, you know, you understand why he left and now he's come back, so... It's a great story, good things, because it means we've got a bit more midfield depth. Another midfielder kicks goals to go with Trelaw and a few other of our mids. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to have him back. If we can stay fit, I know Adams is out for a bit. Uh, Reed's, you know, hurt his hammy. Wells is getting back into match fitness. Uh, you know, I reckon we're going to be all right this year. So, Grundy's obviously the best ruckman in the comp. Hopefully he stays injury-free. I still worry a little bit about four line. Uh, without a big good bloke down. I know Cox is obviously improving and had an awesome final series, but... Could you see Cox kicking 40-plus goals this year? I could, yeah. But I reckon Stevenson, Elliott, when Will Huskin Elliott gets fit and back, that's uh, my check you know, around there, Ben Reid around there. We've got some pretty exciting players oh, absolutely. down there. So the one that was surprised me the first two games as well was Callum Brown. He's been really good for us uh, the first two GLT Cup games. So it's good to see Chris Mayne was up there again. But yeah, just just some players. I hope Ben Crocker doesn't play too many games. I'm not his biggest fan. But, you know, he's still, still side bottom. He's playing great footy. Tom, Josh Thomas, I can I'll read out the whole list. But yeah. I think we're going to be all right. I reckon we won 15 games last year. Was it 13 and a half for this year? Yeah. You'd back us. I know our draw will be a lot harder this year, though. It is. So that was one of my questions. Was last year a little bit of circumstance and luck to get the draw that you did? So you finished third instead of fifth by a third of a percentage point. And in a strange year, Buckley went from almost losing his job in round one to basically having it set up for whenever you win the flag, which could be this year. It's a very possibility. But now you have the hardest draw, according to champion data. So you play the Tigers twice the D's twice, the Eagles twice, the Bombers twice, and your only like crappy team you play twice is the Dogs, who may or may not be that bad depending on which dogs show up in the day. Yeah, I, we should still be winning 14, 15 games. If, yeah. if we're as good as what we think we are, we, we, I don't care what everyone says about draw, we still win the games and we won the games. So. Yeah. so is it also a case of now is the time for you guys? So demographics-wise on your list, 
Second oldest and second most experienced, uh, 24.9 years is the average and 79 games per player. I reckon that's blown out a lot by... Your top end stuff. Top end, so like your Pendle, Steel, Beans, those sorts of blokes who have been around for a while. I mean, we've got Jordan Ruffett. I reckon he's an awesome pickup for us as well. Ben Reid's another one who's played a lot of footy. Um, Tyson Goldsacks. So I reckon you look at the top end, the blokes who are still around 2010, they blow that out a bit. Yeah. Because really, our list is pretty young. You look go through our team. And uh, I'm looking forward to, yeah, um, Roughhead this year. And I'm really looking forward to Quainer, Kelly, and Murphy as well this year. I reckon one or two of those three could be will be regular footballs for us this season. And obviously, I've already mentioned Callum Brown. So. Yeah. And if anyone's been listening to SEN and uh, Bucks talking about 666, he looks like a big fan of it. And that's because you guys played that formation uh, 70% of the time last year. So uh, it was already in his game plan, and now they've made it a rule. And uh, Grundy obviously dominates in the ruck, and if he turns himself into a clearance player as well as a tack ruckman, then uh, give him the Brownlow, and uh, we might see the Collingwood faithful back at the grand final crying when they lose to Richard Blake kick. Essendon up next, the Bombers. The season that was 2018 could be divided into BLTC and ALTC, where LTC stands for lost to Carlton. So before the loss to Carlton, up to round eight, they were there at 2-6 and six on 15th in the ladder with a percentage of 83.9. ALTC had only lose to three teams, Richmond, Hawthorne and Collingwood, with a record of 10-4 and four to finish the year. But which Bombers will we get in 2019, ALTC or BLTC? They finished 11th in the end with 12 wins, 10 losses and 105.1%. They have the massive in, their massive overhyped recruit for the year, Dylan Shield. The bomber saviour, or is he the, or is he the bomber saviour, or is he just another poor man's uh, Tom Mitchell who just loves to handle and not keep it very much? Because last year, obviously, we had the trio of uh, Dylan Shield. Dylan Shield is a good AFL player. Yeah. He's probably nearly an A grade. Yeah, but he's not what Essendon needed in their midfield. He's not a great kick. Everyone talks about his kicking. He's actually not a very good kick. No, he kicks it at fifty-five percent. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't get contested possession, very outside player. Doesn't kick goals as a mid, really. No, and uh, he has a goal-kicking accuracy of 20%. So, so even when he gets the shots, they don't go through the sticks. So I don't think he's the sort of player they want. And they've gone and got him, good on him. But, yeah, Car Hooker's out. That's probably their only massive injury. You know, Joe Danaher's back. I still... Don't see them defending and winning much around the ball. Tom Beltrame is a decent ruckman, not not top end. Their midfield is going to be carried by Heppel, Shield, and Smith. Can Smith back up his year from last year? Well, I think more importantly, the question there is, can Ahmed Saar and Jake Stringer lift? Because they were the three big ins from last year, only one delivered. Can they? Is this the? Is does it take kind of two years to get used to the system? And I think Devin Smith is a bit more of like a a pure yes sir, no sir, hammy, full sir. As opposed, those other two are a little bit more quirky individual types. They might take a couple of, you know, take a year or so to get into that system, get used to how it all works and get used to the coaching, blah, blah, blah. Can we expect 2016 Stringer no. peaks out this year or is it all just going to be another, another pre-season of a hype and then just a wishy-washy 12 months at Essen? I reckon, I reckon they missed the eight again. I, I, I don't think they've got enough class, like enough real good A-grade footballers. Yeah. 
They're a decent team. They'll beat the teams they should beat. They'll fall short against the good teams. They have a pretty toughish sort of draw because they'll have to play you know, Arsenal and Richmond a couple of times. You know. So six hardest. They play Pies, Giants, Roos, Swans and Dockers twice, yeah. um, which is a tip tough ask, yeah. 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 just don't think they've got enough. Their midfield struggled. and not, I know they won these games last year, but their season was almost done. They had a, de- had a decent draw, and as you saw, their losses were the actual finals teams, or mm. uh, well, the top three finals teams, really. So, yeah, I just don't think they're that good. Yeah, fair they, enough. Danaher, they, they lost a lot with Danaher, then he left and they started coming good. Uh, Hooker, Hurley, or a year older, are they able to keep going? Obviously, Hooker's out again. Um, so, yeah, who, who's going to play their second big forward? Can Brown keep going? Uh, McKernan. You know, he keeps coming in and out. Bell Chambers has to carry their ruck. Who's there going inside mid, that sort of stuff. So, and McGrath, you know, he's a gun. He had second-year blues, but I think his JLT forms in a different role. We'll see him. I think he slots into that glow role now. Yeah. Um, yeah probably, that's probably the only benefit they get out of that is that, yeah, less shatty and more elite kicking skills. Not that, you know, Goddard was obviously a great player, but he, we got Taylor and Goddard at Eston, not Yeah, not McGraw, McGraw won't be that intercept marking bloke. So he, he's going to be more of a runner. Yeah, like, and deliver it. Yeah, more like his side and, yeah. Hmm. Uh, what's his name? Connor McKenna. What's his McKenna? Yeah, McKenna, McKenna, yeah. McKenna, yeah, so. So the over-under here is 12 and a half. I'm under. under. They're, not winning. They're not winning 13 games. So I'm taking the overs here. I'm quietly confident. I don't think the depth of I don't think the depth of teams this year is that good. I think that there's three standout teams, and the rest will be stuck around that 13 win mark. So I got them, I got them down to win 13 games, yeah. which last time I checked was over 12 and a half. No. So I'll take the dollar 80 on offer there with a fairly high confidence interval, and I see them finishing six to ten. So they could still miss, but I reckon they I reckon, they, I reckon they play finals. I reckon they break that big hoodie. They might make finals, but they're an eight to twelve team. All right. Team that probably isn't is Freo. Fun Freo fact. In 2015, Freo were the minor premiers. They played in a prelim. Yep. That wasn't that long ago. But if a week's a long time in footy, three years is forever, which is approximately how long they haven't been good for. Now, Ross Lyon famously does not rebuild, but this year's list turnover is plentiful. However, he didn't go to the draft for new blood, so he obviously thinks that he can top this stuff up. 11 players on Freo's list have been at other AFL clubs. And if you can't get a game... and if you Yes, I remember. If if you can't get a game at another club, coming to Freo is suggesting that they're not that good. But anyway, we move on. If you can't teach another dog new tricks, Lion is going to try and win it all again this year. But is... Are they ready? Can they do it? Is this a list that's capable of making finals, let alone... Competing at the tip top end of the NFL. Any team with Nat Fife in it is capable of making finals. And you've got blokes like Hogan, Lobb, um, McCarthy, those sorts of guys that you can play forward. Yep. Walters is a gun, Hill's a gun. Uh, the blokes like uh, Sarah, Brayshaw, um, Langdon, you know, they're very, very good players coming through. And, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, very good players. They're second year players who are going to or second or third year players, mm. but they're still progressing and will get better. And this year, you know, again, you'll see them take another step. So I still think they've got enough there. They've got a good four line if they if they click. Yeah, yeah. And so the one of the ones that needs to click is obviously Jesse Hogan. Now, is he actually that good? So his goal-kicking stats in the last four years, 
2015, he played 20 games for 44 goals. 16, 21 games for 41 goals. 17, he played 10 games for 20 goals. And last year, 20 games for 47 goals. So he's in that, he's in that second big yep. mark. Like he's your second target. He's not kicking key target uh, goal numbers there. Also, another concern for them is that against bottom 10 sides, he averages three goals a game. But against top eight sides, he averages 1.2. So can he be a le- can he be a forward line leader, or is he going to have to like play second field to lop? He still kicks. Oh, lop left not to play ruck, and he played a bit of ruck in the <laughs> in the uh, JLT final yeah. in the game. Sorry. Yeah, look, I think lop, lop will play second ruck and forward. Hogan will play forward. But where do you put McCarthy? Where do you put you know Tabner? Are they able to play out there as well? To become very tall. Mm-hmm. And Fremantle last year had a big problem in keeping the ball inside their 450 once it went in there. So that's something they need to improve on with the tall timber. Yeah. Is that going to help? My main concern is their back line. I think that's... Uh, we've got Nathan Wilson, who's very, very good, but their tall timber could get could get you know, torn apart by some good teams. And again, it's whether they're... I reckon their midfield's good enough, especially if Sandlin plays. Like yeah. Their midfield's going to be good enough to compete with anyone. It's going to be whether they can keep the ball in their four line and create repeat entries and, and kick scores. And then it's going to be at the other end is how well can they defend and keep their, their tall timber can keep the opposition's tall timber. Could you see Rice Line embracing an Essendon-esque game plan considering you have, if, if he's fit, Sandy tapping it to five? History, so you, history you, says no. History says no, but if you look at its list, so you've got Lobb, Hogan, McCartney. That's, that looks a lot like... Walker Jenkins Lynch from Adelaide. That looks like a, a lot like a, a pay powerful forward line, and you're getting fed by the best ruck, arguably the best ruck in midfield combination in footy, next to the Melbourne Demons. Surely he would have to be smart enough to go. Let's try and kick as many goals as possible. Well, from what I saw against Collingwood, what I saw on the weekend was it, uh, who they play on the weekend. I think they played West Coast. I don't, I don't think they they were good for the first quarter against Collingwood with the wind. Yeah. And then Collingwood sorted them out and with the conditions and went, yeah, we've got you covered, and they put them away. And Collingwood did take the foot off the pedal a bit, like they did against Carlton, but they still put them away pretty comfortably in the end. And West Coast absolutely flogged them. Yeah. So, so that's that was without five. Though. I know it's, they're both games out five, mm. but five, five's not going to make up five six goals. Yeah. So it's a it is a concern. Yes, it, I know, again, like it's JLT, but yeah. it's what we've got to go on. So and Lockie Neal is a pretty big out. Uh, for, for mine. Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, they play what, Eagles twice, Port twice, Dons twice, uh, Dogs and Saints you can have because they'll probably win those. But you know, Eagles will be tough, especially over there. Port, who, who knows what you're going to get with them. Don, Don, Essendon and Port, they're going to be competing for that spot, you know, 8 to 12. So they'll be competing against each other. Dogs and Saints, they'll probably win. So I reckon they're an over... Eight and a half if, if five stays fit. Yeah, I've got them over eight and a half. That's paying $1.90. I've got them in that 11 to 15 bracket. I don't think they're making finals. I also don't think they need to. Their list is actually not that old. So average age of 23.9 is the fourth youngest in the AFL and seven fewer the games at 58.3. So not all bad news for Ross Lyon, but it would be good for him to change his attitude to what he has in his squad as opposed to forcing his squad to play towards his attitude. And uh, if anyone follows Premier League football, we saw what happened to Mourinho, and the same could happen to him if he doesn't pull his finger out. Geelong, well, they had the Holy Trinity. They had Gary Dangerwood. 
but not even the Holy Trinity could overcome a few demons in an elimination final last year, giving Chris Scott yet another finals loss. He won a cup in 2011, but it wasn't really his cup. We can say that. Well, it wasn't really. He was gifted a pretty awesome team by a pretty awesome coach. Is this the year that he can deliver his own cup to the Geelong legacy, or is it almost time's up for Chris Scott? I'm going to be pretty short and quick here. No Ruckman, yep. so big, big negative. Like Stanley and Smith aren't, yep. aren't Ruckman. Aging midfield with Selwood, Dangerfield and Ablett. And I know they're going to play different positions this year, but I'm, I, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Kelly, will he have a, as good a year as he did this year, given he, can't, he wasn't allowed to go home? Will, will he be able to put in as much as he did? Um, and so the young blokes, will they stay fit? Cockatoo, Parfit, done a lot of hamstring, soft tissue injuries, so they need to stay fit. Big Sav is a really good player for them. Really, really good. Um, Narco and those sorts of blokes will be able to step up. Is their back on going to be able to hold up? Taylor, you know, goes on another year. For me, I can see Geelong really dipping. Yep, that's fair enough. I've got a missing final, so they've probably got a tough draw. Very tough draw in terms of the start of the year. They so zero and five at the start of the year. Well, rounds, the first seven rounds. So they play you guys, Collingwood, Melbourne, Adelaide, GWS, Hawthorne, West Coast, and Essendon. They could be zero and seven to start the year. Yeah, uh, yeah I, don't see them winning, I don't see them winning 12 and a half games. Yeah. I don't see them making finals. And then some big questions will be asked to Geelong. And then, I know Scott's dead against going to the draft and doing that stuff, but they need to go to the draft. Because them, and we'll talk about Hawthorne a bit later, they're in some serious strife issue. Mm. I know those teams don't rebuild, but they did. They have stayed at the top or the top-ish of the, of the competition for, a very long time. for almost two decades now. At some point, you need to have a pre-season that actually, you know, isn't on the back of finals and you need to get some young blokes and some quality yeah. into your team. Yeah, I did have just the, uh, to take the overs because it's Geelong, they play nine games at Sakitia, uh, but I've changed my mind with your passionate, convincing speech there. I'm going to take the unders. I think they're going to miss. I haven't been that five to nine, but that's probably now more likely seven to 12. Speaking of teams in crisis, they are the whipping boys of the AFL media. If footy's a funny game, and it's often very hard to predict. But one thing everyone seems to be agreeing on is that the Suns will absolutely stink this year. Players have walked out. Leadership groups have turned on the, uh, on the coach and on the committee. But can Stewie Jew do his best battle impersonation and get the boys playing for the big man? Can he, can he rally the boys together? They were good in the uh, first JLT Cup game against the Doggies. I actually watched it and I was actually quite surprised. And then... Uh, they were competitive against Sydney. Obviously, you know, Sydney played a bit of a stronger team than what May of Essendon might have uh, in week one. Oh, sorry, the Doggies in, in week one. But I actually think uh, they got some really, really talented youngsters. Yeah, absolutely. And they had a big turnover because, you know, Stewie Jew wanted to get out folks that weren't, didn't want to be there. You, I reckon he got rid of some, you know, bad, bad not bad people, but... Deadwood and people with the wrong attitudes towards playing AFL football. And he's yeah. obviously gone out. They've done a lot of interviewing with these players. They've got the right mix. They think they want to take these boys. They want to, you know, and you've got Anthony Miles and Holland Smith who want to continue their AFL careers. They play the Saints and the Blues twice, which I reckon the Saints are two wins. They'll, they'll win round one. I'll give you a hot take before you do round one preview. Yeah. They'll be winning. They'll beat St Kilda. Okay, so this is this, I'll jump on the shark here, but you mentioned St Kilda. 
If if Gold Coast beats St Kilda in round one, which, St Kilda will not win a game in 2019. No, they'll win a game. No, win. Who, are they, who are they, can they beat? They'll win one or two games. Where do they some, win a game? When they get some players back from injury. St yeah. Kilda will not win a game if they do not beat Gold Coast in round one. That's my ridiculous hot take for the year. Anyway, right. back, to, back, to, back to the Suns. I reckon Gold Coast will win more than three and a half games. They'll surprise a few folks. They've got some, you know, Ryan Thompson obviously did his knee, which is shattering because he, he's, you know, down back. But they've got two metre Peter. But I've got them winning over, yeah, over three and a half. So I'm, I haven't, I haven't won any three. So obviously because they play Saints and Blues twice. So you say 50-50, probably two Saint games maybe as your three and one, yep. one against Carlton. I just don't know who else they can beat. They, they'll pull off one. They don't have to travel this year like last year where they have to travel all over Australia and yeah. China and, um, you know, that's all those bloody places. At least like this year they've they got a good solid base. They've got a proper training facility now as well. Hmm. So, yeah. It's like you're like you're drinking the Cochrane Kool-Aid, but... Uh... I don't know. I just think that... I love Stewie Jew, but I just reckon they, they're going to... They got the youngest list, the most inexperienced players. They lost Tom Lynch. They lost Stephen Main. I'm going unders. I'm sticking to my guns, sticking to the research. You gave me a passionate plea there, but I'm not taking it on board. I'm going unders. That's paying a dollar dollar seventy five. Good value there. If you can to go with Baz on the overs, I'll be about two dollars, two dollars ten. Can they escape the bottom three? The three of no, 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 no. They're definitely in that it's bottom Carl three. It's Carlton, Secure, and yeah, the Suns. Suns and maybe North Melbourne. I think the other question I'll have there is then. Well, do you think the Suns will be a league pass team? So in NBA parlance, there are teams that are crap, but they have good players, so you'll watch them because they're fun. You know, like they might get triple doubles, they might go big dunks. Yeah, are there enough players in this yeah, team to yeah. be like, my oh. Favorite, my, probably my favourite player in the NFL, Rankine, is playing there. I know yeah. he's hurt himself out for a couple of weeks. I hope he's back for round one, but uh, Lacocious, that sort of stuff. Like, they've yeah. got some bloody good players. Good team to get around too, because if they're successful, the AFL successful. That's what we all want in the end. Speaking of teams that need to be successful at the AFL, the Golden Child, GWS, may be used to getting what it wants in terms of handouts, but they definitely have not worked out how to bribe or please the injury gods after their 2018 season was derailed by a missions, missions list longer than talented players at St Kilda. But can they stay healthy in 2019? They finished 7th last year, 13 wins, 8 losses, 1 draw, with a percentage of 114.3. They went to the draft. Which was surprising because if any team had the excuse to top up, it was them. But they drafted Cadwell, Hatley, O'Halloran, and Hill, and they got rid of Scully, Shield, and Lobb. They are the eighth youngest list, but they had the tenth most experienced in terms of games. Um, so, they're, so they're still in that window. They, they they kind of they've been given the gift that never stops giving because they got everyone at such a young age. Yep. Now they have all these veterans and inverted commas that are actually like twenty four years old. They're still at a They've still got some funny good players. Oh, absolutely. They've got talent up to Wazoo. So, yeah, my my problem is, that, again, like, does it wreak desperation getting Mumford back? Well, it wreaks desperation, and it also doesn't say too much about your culture for what he got up to in the off-season to go, does he want this? Oh, he doesn't even want it, and we'll bring him back. Like, doesn't, it doesn't... It, getting a veteran, an absolute veteran like that back in... Okay, Dawson, he would not be a cultural leader. Dawson Simpson's their number one ruckman. Yeah. So that, that's a big issue for them. Yeah. Yes, they've got Gummy, if it was Coniglio, Whitfield, Torano, uh, Perriman can go, plays back with you through there. They've got, you know, they got some really good, really good top-end talent. Yeah, absolutely. 
Their back line is a bit of a worry, especially if you've got blokes like Lock and Keep having to play. Their four line also got Jeremy Cameron, he got some talent up there, led by him, but he's, he needs to step up as well. Like He needs a big breakout year, not a breakout year, but he needs to have a good year because he's gone quiet mm. the last two, getting stupid suspensions, injuries. Toby Green, much the same. Yeah. I, I, for, as, soon as, they, as soon as they traded in, didn't trade for a Ruckman, and there was plenty out there. They could have given up something for Proust or done something smart and shown some initiative like Tom Hickey, that sort of stuff, uh, and got back Mumford. Oh, that just rang alarm bells for me. Leon Cameron trying to save his job or trying to do something, I, I don't know. But for, I'm, I'm worried about Jerry Rose this year. They... They'll probably still just sneak into the finals with you know eleven or twelve wins, but they won't win over twelve and a half. Okay. I just think they have too much talent to not win over twelve and a half games. They've got top 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 end, yes, yeah. then it falls away due to youth or actually not being that good where they've got those top up players like your DeBoer and those sorts of blokes. Yeah. Uh, That's like they were they were what, they had twenty two first like first option players injured last year and they still won thirteen games. Yeah, and they lose they lost a last three more, yeah. And a couple others. Yeah, yeah Lob and handy. Scully. Yeah. So Lob and Shield, best twenty two and were playing yeah. a lot of those games. So you take those two out, who are you replacing them with? And I, I reckon there's a game or two lost just in those players. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. I'm gonna to stick to the guns here and I reckon they stay healthy. You have guys even though I don't really like him as an individual, Toby Green's like again, they have enough game breakers, game makers to to, to jag fitting wins. That's where I reckon they finish. I reckon they finish fifth or ninth. Um, but I do think Leon Cameron's job is going to be in strife here because this is a team that should have won a. I should have won a premiership already. Yep. He's taken them to two prelims and now they're on the decline now. And uh, it's not a squad that should be rebuilding anytime soon. One that might is Hawthorne. It was a Trojan horse type of season for Hawthorne in 2018. They rose from 10th to 4th after the buy rounds. But that was aided by the fact they did not play a fellow top four side after round 11. Uh, the draw is not so soft this time around, but what can the Hawks do to prevent freefall? They finished 4th with 15 wins, 7 losses, and a percentage of 120. They bring in Chad Wingard and Tom Scully, but they lose Ryan Burton, which is a very strange trade for mine and Sirioli to retirement. They are the oldest list with the most games per player. And they've lost Tom Mitchell. And their two ins, Tom Scully and Chad, or Chad Wingard, at least a couple of weeks away. Yeah, Tom Scully is Scully is indefinite. So Osgood will buy their trading in the off-season. It looked like a team that thought they are going to finish fourth again. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were a sniff for a premiership and this you, year. You can't... You can't ever doubt Clarkson, but I, I think he's... They've misread their list. Yeah. Cause They've misread their list. Who kicks their goals? Who, apart from Sicily, who's their defender? You know, you got, you McAvoy's got... 29, now 30, and he's a big lump of a lad. He's not, not going to get plenty of positions around the ground. He's a good tap ruckman, but he's not going to be involved where other ruckmen are you know, changing the game. Their midfield without Mitchell is in a lack of a lot of inside because mm-hmm. he was a, you know, you, you know, he was getting 40, 45 touches a game with clearances. He was worth two midfielders. Who, who's going to do that for him? They don't have play. So I'm a bit worried about them getting. And them. they're very short now as well. So Sicily and Gunston are the key position players at either end of the field. Yeah. 
and they're, I mean, their captain's a, a DJ at, at Revs. So, I mean. Let's... They also had the second hardest uh, draw this year. They played the Cats twice, Eagles twice, Giants twice, Roos twice, and their easy team of the Lions, who they've lost to. In fact, in the last last season, they went 3-0 and losses to the Lions and the Roos. Yeah. And they're their easy games. And they got, they got pumped by the Lions in the first JLT game, and... Even though they started pretty well against Richmond, they fell away big time. So I'm under 10.5 games. Absolutely. Missing finals. And very confident on that as well, which is just desserts for a team that didn't deserve to be there in the first place last year. Speaking of, well, well, well. For Melbourne fans, it's time to dust off your cheese boards, polish up those Aaron Williams boots, because if you are an MCC member, you're going to be wanting to go to the footy this year. Your team's apparently pretty good. Last year, finished fifth with 14 wins and eight losses. A uh, percentage of 131.4, and you went all the way back to the West to a prelim and got pumped, but that's okay. Two ins in Stephen May and Cade Kolchesney. Their outs are Jesse Hogan, Dom Tyson, and Dean Kent, which are strange exits for a team that almost made a grand final. Why are you culling well, so heavily? They almost made a grand final, got pumped. Yeah, but like they made it to a prelim. And it's Melbourne, so that's almost making a grand final. They're, they're, they're still in the Essendon basket. Their midfield is probably the, one of the best in the AFL. I reckon with Brayshaw, Clayton Oliver, Salem. Uh, I know he plays more back. Uh, You've got Petraka who plays forward midfield. They, they've got a serious midfield. But again, and you also got um, Viney and Jones. Right? So there's five, six blokes can go through there. They've got one of the best ruckmen in the AFL, Max Gorn. So the, their midfield's not a problem. Now, do you say that I, I do say there could be an interesting question mark around that because they lined up much like Richmond, seven six five, nearly all the time. Seventy yep. percent of the time they did that. They only went six 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 twenty four percent of the time last year, which is up there with Richmond and Adelaide. And like, that can Gorney be a clearance ruckman like Grundy? Like we see Brody Grundy being. They're very different body types. They're very different type of players. Yep. Do we see that disadvantaging them? Because they kind of almost wanted you to swamp, like sinkhole the contest so that they could use their pure brutes like your Clayton Oliver's. Yeah, as we saw Collingwood, they get it to the outside and open yeah. them up because they're not very quick and yeah. they, they all get sucked into the contest. Mm. Yeah. Um, they're very one, one-dimensional, one I suppose, their midfield. That's where probably Bailey Fritch and Harms and those sorts of folks and Jake and Harris and Salem even become the outside players. They get yeah. it to and use their silk. You see, you got now you got um, Tom McDonald becoming the number one key mm-hmm. forward, so he's got to kick fifty goals again. Can he do that? Uh, well, history would suggest that he can't. With Hogan, he averaged two point eight goals per game. Without Hogan, he's down to just two. So he loses a goal per game by having to be the, the sole target. Yep. And as a combination, they worked quite well because they were the third best combo behind Rewalt and Caddy with one hundred and sixteen from Richmond, and Gunson and Bruce from Hawthorne with one hundred and five. And they had kicked a hundred as a pair last year, so he needs to make up. He needs to kick more himself as a number one target, and then he also needs to, like, yeah, make up for the fact that Hogan's not there as either. And yeah, so Sam Weirman probably he's not his partner with maybe Bruce if they play the two ruckmen. But yeah, I get a bit worried about their four line kicking goals to be honest. And Petrarca's enough to play like a. The goey sort of role, but you know he comes in and out of games and does bits and pieces and gets a lot of hype for not much uh, return. Yeah, he's a uh, He was a former Glory Boy of yours, though. Yeah, yeah, I still have faith he's a new gun. Malcolm's the other one, whether he can come back and do what he did last year. You know, it's a 
So Jake Lee was still down for 12 to 16 weeks here in the Melbourne you know, injury list. Jeff Gartland's out for four. How he still is on this, I don't know. Uh, Kay Jasny's out for another three. Steve May suspended now. Um, yeah, so they, they've got their injury problems as well, Melbourne. So, look, I think they're going to be a very good team. They should be a top four team. Yeah. Off that list, they should be a top four team. Will their demons get to them? Good pun. Uh, or will they break the shackles and, and let the, the history and their choking in the, in the final and the year before they choked in the, to finish in the eight? Is that going to keep haunting them or can they break free of that? So I've got them under 14 and a half games because 15 games are a lot of games to win in this sort Under 14 and a half but making the top four? Well, last year you needed to win 15 to get in the top four. I reckon this year's gonna be tougher than it was last year. Right. Less games will get you in the get you in the eight and the four. Okay. So that's in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I reckon under four and a half, they might make they they might make top four. They should make top four. All right, I've got them overs and definitely making top four. Wonderful. Because what's their what's their run like? So so the teams they play twice are Richmond, West Coast, Collingwood, uh, Sydney, and St Kilda. So you look at Richmond, Collingwood, and Eagles. Yeah. Uh, d- depending on what, obviously the Eagles game or over there, that'll be a loss. The Pies are fifty-fifty. Tigers fifty-fifty. So there's six games that you know there could be. And for for a team that does like the choke, two of those games are massive games now with uh, Anzac Day Eve against Richmond yep. and Queen's Birthday Holiday on Monday against you guys. Yeah. So, so they could be they could have only win two or three of those games. That's two or three out of six. They might win none. Mm. Uh, they should beat the Swans and the Saints, though. So, yeah, I think I think under four and a half is pretty fair. Yeah, they won fourteen last year, and I think they'll improve though. So, yep. fifteen wins, top four spot, and maybe uh, choking a granny this year. Who knows? All right, North Melbourne, listen up, North fans down at Arden Street, Shinboners, you deserve an apology. Last year, we said we need to ship your team off to Hobart. We said you're going to win the spoon, and we were wrong. But what's in store for 2019? Last year, you finished ninth with 12 wins, 10 losses, and a percentage of 108. Uh, you brought in a lot of mid-tier talent, apparently. So Jared Pollock, Aaron Hall, Dom Tyson, Jasper Pittard, and you could picked up Taron Thomas in the draft. You've seen Jared Waite retire, however. You have a very medium list now, so it's not as old as it once was. Average age 24, average game of 54. But have the Roos and the Hawthorne here overlay, overrated their list by bringing in that mid-tier talent that suggests they're going to push for top four glory as opposed to try and rebuild for sustained success? They've done enough to win eight to 11 games, try for finals, but won't make it. That's where they're at. And they're, they're, that's a lot of that's a lot of blokes to bring in to take up spots where you could draft higher North, and keep them for five or six years. Yeah, well, they have got some, a couple of talent. Thomas would be a very, very good player. Yeah. They've got something from the draft, but yeah, I still think they're 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 the top of the bottom eight. If you get if you get me, yeah, yeah. they're an eight. To, I reckon they're a nine to fifteen, oh, nine to fourteen sort of side. Goldstein, Goldstein, letting Proust go was one of the biggest mistakes they've ever made. Especially now that six 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 Max Ruckman absolutely have to pick up their workloads. Yeah, if they lose Goldstein, they are absolutely screwed. And they already didn't play this style of football before. So they were a 7 6 5 team, much like Richmond, but not as explosive through the guts. 
They only played that six six formation at ten percent of the time, and yeah, now they're now relying on a midfield that's not very the diesel engine is not Ferraris. Yeah, and you want Ferraris in the six 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 space that it provides. Yeah, right. so I don't think this is going to suit them, and I think much like Hawthorne overestimated on their overperformance last year, I think North have done the same here. Finishing ninth was an overperformance. You know, drift back to that ten to fourteen spot. Under definitely unders at ten and a half. Uh, massive confidence, and the unders on ten and a half is paying two dollars and five, which is a joke. So everyone get on that. That's my one sure thing from this podcast. Port Adelaide, we don't know what to think about you. What's the meaning of life, Baz? What's true love? Are Port Adelaide any good at football? Is Ken Hinckley a good coach? These are all the eternal questions that I cannot answer. They screwed us last year. I'm still dirty on it. I went, I, if you go back and listen, and it probably deletes any validity in many of my predictions I made, I had them making the top two last year. Ollie Wines misses the first five or so weeks. Paddy Wright is, you know, still don't, don't know what's going on with him. Yeah. Hamish Hartlett probably come back. Uh, Charlie Dixon, where's he? What's going on with him? He hasn't been running. His ankles, you know, he's always had ankle issues. Jeez, yeah. oh, they already got in, injury issues to key players. They brought in Lysette, who, you know, premiership player, good on him. But, oh. Ryan Burton will be a good addition. They'll use Chad Wingo to kick goals for him. They'll use Pollack, was pretty important off for them off half-back. I, I, geez, Hinkley might be second in line to old mate Richo. You reckon? So I've got a question about Hinkley here. Is Do you think he's Ross Lyon 2.0? My question on that is he's not great at blooding new players. No. So although Port's list has the seventh most games, it's all top-end skewed. So they have 20 players with less than 10 AFL games in their list, and they have another 10 with less than 40. Yeah. And the rest is just keep trying the same blokes, keep trying the same thing, and they, they haven't got it. So they haven't won a final since 2014. They've only cracked a top eight once in the last four years, but it, they keep acting like they've got a list that's going to like break into yeah, the top four. Yeah, they keep being good enough, but they're not. And they loaded up with Motlop and Watts... And Rockcliffe and, you know, they were below par, really. To, I, I, actually, Motlop was pretty good for him, but the other two were no good. And, you know, what's he's been up to his old tricks again, so... That's the other question I have for you there. So, last year, Sam Palpepper, off-season Jack Watts, pre-season Ollie Wines. Is this proof that the, the lads at Port Adelaide don't care? If you were the coach, would you be concerned about your culture and commitment? Yeah, I, I think there's been something going on there for a while, and I don't know what it is, and... You know, obviously the the cap the captains he's been taking off folk and now there's joint captains and all that stuff. So yeah, I got him under under twelve and a half. Twelve and a half is way too many for them. Yeah, and they they won't make the eight. I mean, what what did they win last year? They won twelve wins. Twelve wins. So yeah, they're going to beat that. With I think yeah, if anything, they've lost players. So yeah, no, no chance. No, taking the unders as well. Dollar seventy, good money there. Good safety bet. All right. Tom Hafey said famously that there was nothing more tigerish than a wounded tiger, and there was nothing that made Richmond more wounded than after being the best team by far for 22 rounds in the, in the AFL 2018 season, even as admitted by our dear friend here, the Barrel, to be be rolled by a team that they had vanquished twice in the home and away season. I can see a wry smile come across the old Barrel's face there. Will this be the year of Richmond, or more importantly, the September of the Tigers? Can they go back? And win it two and three instead of that. Hope not, but they'll definitely win. They're, they're, they're a good side. They've added Tom Lynch, so yeah, 
see how that works. I reckon it'll work well. Have they killed, killed too much depth to get him, though? So they got rid of Conker, Lloyd, Ellis, and Stegel. And yes, they were all fringe players. But the year that we won the Premiership, we were very blessed by injuries. That's anything. Have, have we sold too much to try and get another big name? You still, you still, you still good enough. Yeah, you still got Martin, still Koch and Prestia, those sort of like France is obviously very good. I'm still backing uh, you guys to win over fifteen and a half, and I really think that you'll be the top team going into September again, and it's yours to lose. Strangely enough, we also have the six easiest, easiest draw coin in champion data. So we do play Melbourne and Collingwood twice. But then we have the Giants, Port, and the Blues twice because apparently Richmond and Carlton is a blockbuster. So uh, that's very, very nice yeah, yeah. if you're a Richmond fan. Yeah, good on you. St Kilda. Regular listeners will remember that we had this thing called the Cone of Silence. It's where we place teams we think are not worth discussing. After stringing together 12 consecutive winless weeks in 2018 and then with an average score of 64 and an average losing margin of 35, and then ending the season with six straight losses, it will not take much for us to put the Saints back into the cone of silence. Brown round two, Jake Carlo indefinite, Dan Hanabry two to three weeks, Max King still out for most of the year, Billy Longo one to two weeks, Paddy Cartman, Dilly Robertson to be confirmed, and probably most of the, the while, I reckon, especially with Dylan Robertson and Jack Stephen. I mean, indefinite. He's been back at training. But he, when he first left, he said he wasn't coming back for a while. And they've got all these injuries, all these problems. Has he been rushed back to, to be like, look, we need you back or else we're, we're cooked? So he still won't play the round one. All these injuries, plus you know, an inexperienced team, a lot of small players, not much A grade, if any. Probably there's a few B grades. So you say that there's, there's been conversations around the likes of like Gresham, Ross, Billings, oh. Membry, Clark. Are they on the fringe of being A-graders? No. Who's going to kick their goals? What, Billings and, and Gresham, they kick 50 yeah, goals Membry. between them? Membry? Nah. And who's their, who's their backs? No, Carlo. They've got really good players. As I said before, I don't, if, they, as you, if you have them losing the Gold Coast in round one, St Kilda will not win a game in 2019. I've seen winning games when they get players back, some of those players back, but they're under seven and a half. They're way under. They're under. They're under one. They're second. Place. I would. I would love bookmakers out there. Hit us up at sc underscore mad underscore oz and give me the odds on St Kilda not winning a game in 2019 because I'm willing to take that bet. They will finish second bottom if not bottom. Not finish bottom. Gold Coast will beat them twice. Oh, there you go. Moving on to a team that might win a few games. Death. Taxes and Sydney being good are all truths in life. But in this post-truth era, are we about to see the decline of the Swans? They finished sixth last year, 14 wins, eight losses, 109 percentage, but they have gone to try and rejuvenate. So they've brought in Nick Blakely, Jackson Thurlow and Ryan Clark, and they've lost Hannibal to St Kilda, Newman to Carlton and Rowan to Geelong. Blakely's a jet. Mm. Probably played around one. Can the likes of Heaney, Mills, Florent, Hewitt, Jones pick up where Hanbury, Jack, Parker, and Kennedy left off. Can they can they rejuvenate that midfield to keep playing Sydney style football? Well, I think uh, Brady's out for a bit, especially for the first few weeks. Yeah, Menzel obviously came in, but he's out for a few weeks. I think uh, Heaney hurt his ankle. 
Yeah. And Florent hurt his ankle. So they might be back for round one, hopefully. But they need Heaney, Mills, Florent, Hewitt, Jones, those sorts of blokes yeah. to all stay fit. And they need them all contributing. And I think they will. I still think they're a good side. And they're a very good side at home. They probably need to adjust their style a bit. Um, you know, especially now with the 666, they can't be as congested as they once were. My big concerns really is um, Calum Sinclair in the ruck all the time. But yeah, look, we've already talked about it a fair few times. Mm. Just new the new rules. Um, and whether Josh Kennedy can keep reducing and a few others. Um, I reckon Florence is done. So yeah. he'll, be able to, he'll be able to Robbie Fox. Um, can McCartan had a, has had a head injury. He showed a bit last year. I don't know if Jackson Thurlow will add anything to him, but you know, you've got Cunningham as well. Do they win enough games this year? 12 and a half is a lot of games to win. That, that last year, 12 and a half games didn't even get you in the... Oh, yeah, 13 games, just, just snuck you in the eight. They won 14 last year. Do, are they, are they too, do they need Buddy playing for them anymore? Well, I'll be interested to see how they go in the first few rounds, especially, yeah, obviously, New Rules is 666 and a pretty handy midfield when it's all there. Maybe they don't. Maybe they can go small. Maybe they can go Richmond circuit 2017. Because remember when he played last year, they were a bit better, and then when he came back... It just became a bit more focal on him. Yeah. Very much the end, like Buddy at the end of the Hawthorne era. Can they get him up on a wing and listen to him if he wants? Anyway, <laughs> I've got him under, under 12 and a half, and... Scraping into the finals. I've got them over 12 and a half. It's paying two bucks. It's great value. And it's Sydney. You can't go against Sydney. Yeah. You just can't do it. So don't do it. Speaking of teams you can't bet against, West Coast. You do not have to be Einstein to work out that the Eagles are good because they won the body flag last year. But if you look at their list construction, their home ground advantage, and their relatively clean bill of health, they have themselves in good stead for a good 2019. Second on the ladder... First overall, 16 wins, 6 losses, and a percentage of 121.4 was what they were last year. They brought in Tom Hickey to replace Scott Lysett, and then Mark LeCroix retired a premiership winner. They've got the fourth oldest list with the eighth most experience, but they're in that premiership window, obviously. Does their forward line get even better this year with a fully fit JK? Yep. Then we're all stuffed. Yep, and they play 11 games at home, so there's 11, or at least 10 wins. Yep. you think they'd be able to sneak out four or five somewhere else. Gaff, Shuey, Dom Sheed's been enormous in the JLT. Uh, yeah, Tom Hickey's been pretty good as well, actually, for them in the JLT. You think Luke Ryan and Rioli with another year under their belt? Jeez, uh, they're going to be pretty tough to beat, I reckon. So the only... Things that people can kind of lean their head on to say they won't they won't win it back to back. Fourth hardest fixture where they play the Demons, the Pies, the Hawks, the Crows, and the Dockers twice. Of those though, only really D's and Pies and two games away. Yeah. It's pretty tough for a, for the Victorian teams. Um, and other than that, like next run back, they'll finish top two and probably go close to making a granny. Absolutely, and definitely take them for over fourteen and a half wins. Yeah. Because they got 11 done at home. Over. Straight over. Yep. Paying $1.95, money for jam. And finally, two years seems like a long time to have a hangover. You don't like them that last for two days, don't you, Bez? But uh, that seems to be the case. <laughs> they the do that stage. 
After a fairy tale 2016, the Western Bulldogs became the first club this century to miss the finals in the two years after winning the Premiership. Canada returned to the promised land in 2019. It was a pretty sad 2018. They won eight wins, 14 losses, at a percentage of 77.3 to finish 13th. They brought in Sam Lloyd from Richmond and Taylor Durrell from Hawthorne, as well as Bailey Smith and Riley West from the draft. But they've lost Dalhouse, Adams and Jordan Roughhead. They are pretty young at 24 and they have fairly inexperienced with an average of 79 games, giving them the eighth fewest in the league. However, is there an upside here? If we have a fully healthy Bond, plus McRae, plus Hunter, is that the best midfield trio in the competition? They're going to scare some teams. Got a good, good, for, good midfield mix. Yep. Good back line. Where are their goals coming from? That's why I think Norton played it. From their mid. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. Like, so Bont's going to have to play forward, kick goals. Um, you'll see probably Wallace and, and Liber, Liber rest down there. Big guy Gowers is probably going to have to have a backup his season last year. Shaki, can he come good? Boyd's out for a while. They tried Norton. They've tried uh, Norton down there in the JLT Cup. My problem is, yeah, Ruck, Ruck A and B uh, who's going to kick their goals. Yeah. I mean, they, they had Trengrove and stuff in the Ruck for them uh, in the JLT. So. Do you reckon Tim English is ready to put his big boy pants on and go up against the likes of uh, Max Gorn and Brody Grundy and Adam Sandlands? He probably is, but his beverage... Uh, willing to accept he's going to have to play a proper ruckman now instead of he pinch has hits. to he has to he pinch hits with everyone so he can't this year surely this is going to be the year of the ruck we've already we've already, we've already decreed it yeah. if you're listening to us Bevo and you should be number one betting podcast in the land play a ruck play Tim English get some reps under his belt see how he goes I'm unders I reckon they uh, yeah, not so, not so good eight and a half to me too much for them they play the Cats, Pies, Lions, Dockers and Blues twice Unders is paying two bucks. This and Sydney at two bucks, I reckon, is where the value is at, and what is traditionally a hard to make money on market. Time to get into what we love to do best: cold pies, hot takes, our way too early season predictions for 2019, and we make this rapid fire before we get into our feature bets for the season. Wooden spoon, who have you got? Gold Coast. St Kilda, St Kilda will not win a game. St Kilda <laughs> will not win a game. You've replaced, I cannot, I replaced North Melbourne. The I have, North they are Melbourne. the new North Melbourne. I'm, like, do they have a connection with Tasmania? Can we ship them off they, there? We can make it. Done. Biggest sliders from 2018-2009. Geelong. Yep. Hawthorne. Yep, fair. I had uh, Western Bulldogs in North Melbourne. Yep. Uh, biggest rises up the ladder. Brisbane. Yep. Uh, Fremantle. Yeah, I've just got, just got Brisbane. I think everyone else will be about the same, except for those two aforementioned sliders. But I reckon Lions could be on the cusp of uh, the top eight. Most overhyped team of 2019 will be Melbourne or Essendon. Yeah, Melbourne, definitely Melbourne. Especially if they don't if they don't win it this year, I reckon their their cheese board fans might start throwing those boards into the. Around the seats and stuff. Yeah, I reckon they're Goodwin, pretty keen I, to win. I reckon if they don't win a final this year, Goodwin could be under pressure. Yeah. Uh, your cash cow for 2019. So, based on your research so far, what do you think you'll have the most uh, advantage in terms of betting? Well, last year, second, especially second half, 
my uh, total match points per team. So whether they got between under 60 or 60 to 74, 75 to 90, yeah. 90 to 100, whatever it was, I, I started knowing them pretty pretty, pretty regularly. regularly. Yeah. And they pay you know, anywhere between four to sometimes four to six bucks. So I reckon that'll be good for me again this year. But once I've got some data in, in to you know, see how the teams are scoring and what they're like, the defences and all that stuff, I reckon that'll be it. That's going to be the, the cash cow for us this year. There you go. I reckon also early days, while we're getting that data collated, uh, the over-under match totals will be pretty interesting in terms of what they give us for lines uh, because of the new rules. No one really knows how, how scoring is going to be affected this year. So if you can kind of work out what's going on quicker than the bookies, first three or four rounds, definitely some money to be made there. And grand final and premiership. Yeah, Richmond West Coast or R- Richmond Collingwood would be amazing. Yeah, that would be. I've got Richmond West Coast and Richmond winning, of course. All right, do you have any money-making bets? Because it's money-making time, Baz, to round out the pod. Um, not really for footy. I, I mean, obviously, you can go early with your yeah. Brownlows and that stuff. Probably Sam Welsh uh, for Rising Star if he stays fit. Yep. I've got nothing. That's all right, then. I've got you back here because I've gone way too early because I'm super keen. And I'm not really a horse punter, so I had some uh, extra time to research. I've got three roughies, a value, and a sure thing. Ruffie number one, Brownlow medal is either going to be Brody Grundy or Max Gorn. Brody Grundy's paying $51, and Max Gorn's paying 34 and they're both cash-out markets. So take them early, watch them dominate, and then cash out if you get scared. Yeah. Ruffie number two is a season handicap. So West Coast to win starting with plus four points. So to finish on top of the ladder and they get an extra win to start the season, is yep. paying 15 bucks. And the handicap market's up against Richmond, who start off scratch, Melbourne at plus four, and Collingwood at plus six. Jeez, Collingwood and, and West Coast there would be good value, I reckon. Yeah. So Collingwood's paying about $11. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne's paying about 10 And, yeah, West Coast 15 at plus four. Uh, we'll link the market there. That's a pretty interesting and fun one. And it gives you a chance, a half decent, gives your team a half decent chance of, of winning a premiership that year. Roughly number three is the season Quinella. So Richmond West Coast is paying $17, as is Richmond Collingwood, as is Richmond Melbourne, all paying 17 bucks. My value bet, fewest wins for 2019, St Kilda is paying $6. Fewest, they're only 6 bucks. So Gold Coast are $1.50 at the moment. For fewest wins. So there is money to be made because the Stewie Dew and his lovely round belly are going to beat St Kilda twice this year. And <laughs> that's going to be enough to see the Saints finish last. I've said enough times now. If you don't get the picture, you never will. And my sure thing for 2019, injury permitting asterisk, asterisk, actress. It is obviously a cop out. But uh, Sam Walsh at three bucks to win the Rising Star. It's a good bit. All right. Well, this is one of the odds. We're back now. In terms of the regular season stuff, we'll be posting 9 a.m. every Thursday in time for your office tipping, for your super coach, and for your punting. So uh, get around us, get around our Twitters, get around our Facebooks, and most importantly, listen to the pod and support our sponsor, the Yorkshire Hotel in Abbotsford. Shout out to beer if you're down there. If we are, Jake.